welcome to the Ziggler Inspire Podcast. Ziggler Inspire Podcast. Welcome to Zig Ziglar's Inspire Podcast. This is your host, Blake Lindsay, hoping that you are having a terrific day. Today, Zig tells his favorite story about his son, Tom, and his favorite sport, golf. Tom is now all grown up and the CEO of our company. But when this story takes place, he's a young man. Enjoy this story, and I'll be back in a few minutes. I want to close this segment by telling you a love story. Now, this is a love story that's a little different from most love stories. But it's a love story that really does have a lot to say. This is a story, and some of you might not be surprised by this, but this is a love story about the game of golf. Nothing pleases me anymore than to get out there on the uh, hillside or on the uh, golf course, and I like to tee that sucker up so I can get at it, you know. And I rear back, and when I do, I let the string all the way out. I hit that sucker as far as I can. Boom! Then if I can find it, I hit that sucker again. But I found out a long time ago that a slow game of golf and a fast game of golf both in reality take about the same amount of time. It's going to take you about five hours, folks, counting getting there and getting ready and warming up and all that kind of good stuff. It's going to take you about five hours then to play it and get on back home. Well, I travel a lot, and at that particular time, I wasn't about to come home and kiss the redhead and my son goodbye and head for the golf course, but I love to play golf. So I did something really bright, if I do say so myself. I bought my wife and my son a set of golf clubs. And everybody was excited about it except my wife and my son. (laughs) But they went along with me for about five games. The redhead, uh, at the end of about the fifth game, she said, Honey, I just do not like to play golf. Said it's too hot or it's too cold, it's too wet, it's too windy. Uh, You're just going to have to count me out. Well, there went golf buddy number one. At the uh, end of the summer, my boy said, Dad, said, I don't hardly know how to tell you this. Because he said, I know how good you like to play golf. And, and Dad, I, I like to be with you, and I know you like to be with me, but golf is just not my game, Dad. said, now I'll wrestle with you, I'll, I'll throw the football with you, I'll go fishing with you, I'll ride bikes with you. Uh, but, Dad, golf's just not my game. Count me out. Well, there went golf, buddy, number two. Next three years, there wasn't much golf in my life. And one night, we'd been out to dinner. I was back in town. We were on North Central Expressway, and they had the old Dow Rich driving range. Some of you might well remember that. And uh, we were riding down past, and all of a sudden, my boy spoke up. He said, Dad, let's stop and hit a few golf balls. Well, my son is a smooth talker. (laughs) So we stopped to hit a few golf balls. We were banging away, and all of a sudden he said, Dad, so let me borrow one of your woods. And so I pulled my uh, forewood out of the bag and handed it to him. My boy choked up on it a little bit. He reared back, and he cold-cocked that sucker about 40 yards further than he had ever hit a golf ball before in his life. I'll tell you, when he turned around, that smile on his face clearly said, Ziggler, you got yourself a golfing buddy now. I mean, <laughs> second most beautiful smile I've ever seen on his face. 
most beautiful one was a few days later, we were out of the club playing. We were on one of the par fours. My boy took that four wood, and again, he let the string out. He busted that sucker right down the middle, had a little draw on it, hit the ground running like a scared rabbit, stopped dead center right in the middle of the fairway. Perfect position. We got to that ball. He took the five iron out, and just like you see him do it on television, he kept his head down. He smooth-stroked it. It took off. It got right over the green, landed just as soft as a feather, about 40 feet from the cup. He's hunting his bird. Now, if you're not a golfer, that simply means that if he sinks that putt, he's one under par on that hole. If you don't know what that means, it means he done good. And so I showed my boy how to line the putt. I showed him how to stroke it. And when he stroked it, there was zero doubt about it. It was in the cup all the way. When that ball hit the bottom of that cup, that boy jumped about six feet straight up in the air. Still beat me to the ground by five seconds. I'll tell you, you're talking about excitement. Man alive, was there ever excitement. I grabbed him and I hugged him and I, you know, we did a little dance there for just a couple of minutes. And then all of a sudden, it occurred to me that I had a problem. You see, I was on the green in two also. I was hunting my bird. I was only about 10 feet from the cup. I knew that if I missed the putt, my son would figure I'd missed it on purpose so he could win. That would have given him a cheap victory, which is quite a loss. So I determined I was going to do the very best I could so that if I did miss it, I could honestly say, congratulations, son, you won it fair and square. Now, my best effort always includes a little providential help. Now, I don't know what you folks think about that, but personally, I think it's fair even on a golf course. Maybe especially on a golf course. Well, anyhow, I lined the putt as well as I know how to line a putt. I stroked it as well as I've ever stroked a putt in my life, and just like it had eyes, it went straight to the bottom of the cup. Before I reached down to pick it up, I looked at my boy, and I said, Now, tell me the truth, son. Were you pulling for Dad? He's 11 years old. He's never beaten his dad a hole of golf. It would have meant an awful lot to him at that point for me to have missed. He would have won the hole. But without any hesitation, quietly but very firmly, he looked me right in the eye and said, Dad, I always pull for you. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is love. That's pure love. That's what we need more of in Dallas, Texas, and Portland, Oregon. It's what we need more of in San Diego, California, and Albany, New York. It's what we need more of in every home, in every county, in every state in this great land of ours. We need it between the parent and the child, between the husband and the wife, between the employer and the employee, between the teacher and the student. We need somebody who is pulling for us to do our very best. Because there's an old saying uh, that people don't really care how much you know until they know how much you care about them. When you really are pulling for the other person, uh, there is a persuasiveness that becomes part of you that is beyond belief. When you're pulling for your child to do something for their benefit, when you're pulling for a customer to buy because deep down you know it's for their benefit. 
when you're pulling for an employee to perform better because it is to their benefit. When you're pulling for anybody to do something and pulling for them because they're going to be the winner, you become instantly more effective, instantly more professional, instantly more persuasive. Love is a tremendous persuader. And finally, I was raised, as you've heard me say, in Yazoo City, Mississippi. We have family reunion every year. Because we're living in Dallas, the other members of the family live much closer. We generally fly to Jackson, rent a car, and we stop by the grocery store to buy our contribution to that big spread. The other members of the family bring theirs in already cooked. Several years ago, we stopped by to get the things we were going to buy. Got a smoked ham and a smoked turkey, some little snacks and a number of canned soft drinks. We got to the checkout stand and the cashier figured it up. The redhead had her checkbook out. She wrote the check. And as she handed the check to the cashier, she automatically reached in to her wallet to pull out her driver's license and several credit cards. And as she did so, she said, uh, you probably will want to see these. The cashier never looked down. She was looking at the check. And as she did, she said, no, in Yazoo City, the name Ziegler is all the identification we need. I got to tell you, I left there in 1943. She didn't recognize me or my name. She was talking about a mother and an older brother and some older sisters that had left for us a legacy which is beyond price. Legacies are left through relationships. The way you deal with people, your basic foundation upon which you have built. When we build that right foundation, when our heart is right, when we really do have an interest in others, when we live with integrity, then we can live and leave something that will last infinitely longer than we will live. I think Dr. Jack Graham sums it up as well as anybody I have ever heard when he said that wealth is the total of what you have that money can't buy and death can't take away. I believe with all of my heart. You buy the ideas, you buy the concepts, you buy the things we've been talking about in this seminar, and I'll be able to close this one as I do all seminars by saying, do these things, buy these ideas, follow through, and I'll see you, and yes, I really do mean you, at the top. What kind of legacy are you leaving for your kids to enjoy? What kind of reputation do you have? Think about those things as you go through your day and your life. This is Blake Lindsay encouraging you to live your life to the fullest. Ziggler. Ziggler. Inspiring true performance.